And we are your hosts for today's broadcast, following top news stories of the day. Good, great, grand, wonderful. I have a bad feeling about this. What ain't no country I ever heard of? They speak English and what? It's the good, the bad, and the what? Lost your train of thought, didn't I? <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of The Good, The Bad, and The What, the show in which we dissect what makes a movie good, bad, or other within a certain theme, category, subgenre, or filmography. I'm Ryan Oliver. And I'm Chris Thomas. Chris, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing well, Ryan. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I'm very excited to talk about these movies. Um, they're, they're sort of a nice little appetizer getting into spooky season uh, as we are in the end of September. Uh, both of us are drinking a pumpkin beer. I know this is yeah. not a visual podcast, but uh, Chris just took an initial sip of whatever one he's drinking right now. And uh, and he's like, yeah, this is really good. Uh, what, what what are you drinking for, for our listeners? It's a Howling Gourds Pumpkin Ale uh, from the, let's see, uh, brewed by Joseph's Brow Brewing Company from San Jose, California. Good job, Joseph's Brow. Joseph's Brow. Okay, I'm going to have to try and find that. Maybe I can find that at like Chuck's Hop Shop uh, here in Seattle or uh, maybe oh, the yeah. stores. I, I'm drinking the, the I, I don't want to say the OG and be like, assume that the Seattle one is the OG, but I'm... Um, drinking the Elysian night owl um mm-hmm. which which if not the og was certainly on the forefront of uh popularizing pumpkin beers um it is here at least the easiest one to to find it's pretty much in any grocery store or gas station um you could find so i'm drinking that um but it's it's perfect because especially our good movie i mean all of these movies are are, are horror horror adjacent but our good movie especially has got like fall atmosphere up the wazoo so takes place um, during halloween i don't know if it's it's not on halloween but it's halloween season it's halloween there are jack-o'-lanterns there's a costume party it's, oh, it's yeah. a whole thing there's a whole thing i i which i forgot about and when i saw them like uh they like showed them in their house with the decorations around i was like oh fuck yeah i forgot that this is a halloween movie halloween makes movie it so much better and specific references to a specific movie that I will bring up uh, that they were very open about in the commentary track on the mm-hmm. um, but we'll get there when we get there but before we announce uh, before I and uh, hand over the reins to you to announce uh, our picks and talk a little bit about the category um, uh, we should we should probably do a little housekeeping uh, for the next yeah. month or so um, we did this on our patreon so if you are a patreon subscriber you already know some of the stuff which thank you we adult. love you we lo- thank you and we love you and it's only a dollar so <laughs> be sure to check it out uh, i will probably plug that at least one maybe two more times for the end of this episode but um as we swing in october um i i've probably you know made allusions to this on the episode um my wife and i are expecting another child uh they are, are due in five days from the time this episode drops um so it literally could be any day now um so uh uh, that is happening in my life and then you are going to be on vacation for the latter half of october 
or is it the first half of October? Right in the remember. middle of it. Right the in the middle. 16th through the 27th. Gotcha. Yeah. So you're, you're smack dab in the middle. You're going to be gone for two weeks. So mm-hmm. um, we are still going to tease what we have coming down the pipe as is. But just know the next couple weeks might get a little strange. Uh, you know, it might be a little different. It might be Chris and a guest. It might be me and a guest. It might be one of us shouting into the ether, um, <laughs> you know, or or one potential we talked about. Speaking of our Patreon, is we might pull an episode uh, from behind our paywall and put it on our main feed sure. as a sort of means to say, like, hey, this is the kind of stuff you get if you do support our Patreon. But as a as a token of appreciation and the fact that we didn't have time to record a new episode this week. Here's the type of stuff you will get. So, yeah. um, so that's, we've definitely floated that as an option. So we will not go without a gap in programming, at least on the main feed to our knowledge, but things just might be a little strange. Um, yeah. so before we get into this episode, I wanted to just clear that up. Um, yeah, bear with us. Um, life gets busy sometimes, but, uh, we'll, we'll keep on trucking as best we can. Exactly, because we enjoyed doing it. So yeah. if, if we can, we're going to. But so with that out of the way, you the category this week is a, certainly an interesting one, um, is a soldier coming home and they're not who they say, they're not the same, and horror carnage ensues. Yeah, um, yeah they're, and they're violent. Um, the, yes, <laughs> And this completely arose from from my what pick, which is uh, Death Dream, a.k.a. Dead of Night uh, from 1974, directed by Bob Clark. Um, I while watching it, I was like, oh, this is very similar to another movie that I very much like, which is my good pick, The Guest from 2014, directed by Adam Wingard. Um, And so as I was watching it, I was like, oh, man, like, I really dig The Guest. That would be it also like it gave me an excuse to order the excellent uh, 4K uh, release from Second Sight Pictures. Uh, So that was nice. But I was like, oh, man, I should really work this into an episode about, you know, um, a, a soldier who returns home and something is off and something is weird about them and they are murderers. Um, but I don't know exactly how to pull this whole thread together. And just through pure happenstance, we uh, ended up watching a movie called The Divine Enforcer from 1992, directed by Robert Rundle, which is my bad pick for the day because um, it's bad. But in the movie, there is a character who is a violent uh, psychopath. Uh, and in one of the scenes, he's wearing a hat uh, that would imply that he's a veteran. And so I was like, there we go, loose fit. <laughs> and, and I shoved it into the episode to give me an excuse to talk about the other two movies that I actually wanted to talk about. But that movie is fun in its own way, and we'll definitely get to it. So Yeah, I was going to say, before we get into it, this is, uh, this is I don't want to speak for you, but to me, this is an Oops All Bangers episode. This is... Uh, this is not good, bad, what. This episode is good, good, what, um, in my opinion. Or good, what, good, if we, we go through the order, sure. um, in my opinion. But, uh, you know, but we'll get there when we get there. <laughs> yeah, we'll get there when we get there. I think definitely, I mean, in the case of uh, The Guest is great. Uh, and then Dead of Night is is good. I think that there's some missteps, but I think we'll get into that when we talk about sort of the career of Bob Clark as well, just because of the time that this movie came out. You can tell that he's still kind of finding his voice and, and you know, gaining in confidence. Like, it's two years before he came out with um, uh, Black Christmas, mm-hmm. 
which a lot of the things that you see him doing in Dead of Night, he does better in Black Christmas. So it's in many ways like a, a, a dry run of sorts for what he's going to do later on in Black Christmas, which is an excellent movie. Was it two years before or was it the same year? I thought they were both 1974. I thought Black Christmas is 76. I just looked it up really quickly and not it wasn't like a, in a means to be a dick dick and oh no if i'm incorrect but i'm pretty sure black christmas is 1974 at least what i what i just pulled up here so i think they came out the same year wow so then huh i would need to know the production schedule for each of those and when he was shooting one versus the other like if one just had like a much longer post-production schedule i'm gonna guess and and we'll get to it when we get to it you know i don't want to get too far ahead because we have two other movies to talk about before we get to it but it, it looks like production for death dream was in 1972 so if anything okay. that one probably had the longer lead time uh and then came out um because we're actually going to run into something similar with the guest as far as adam wingard and simon barrett's previous movie how it had a very long trek to actually coming out um hmm. so so we'll get to there well and we can get right to it uh yes. we should probably just launch right into the guest can i help you mrs peterson yes my name is david mrs peterson i uh i knew your son caleb i was with him when he died that's me you know caleb yes ma'am we're pretty close <laughs> yes ma'am wanted me to tell you that he loved you. Thanks. He asked me to check on y'all. And so, we're gonna be good friends. What happened? I got into a fight with some guys at school. I'll teach him some self-defense when he's failing up to it. What are you gonna do? Nothing bad. Um, and, and so to just get it out of the way, I'm going to do synopsis first because I know that we usually lollygag for 20 minutes and then get to the synopsis. So if you haven't seen The Guest, um, much in line with what today's topic is about, uh, a family who is mourning their son who was killed in action, uh, a soldier arrives on their doorstep claiming to be from the same unit. Uh, he moves in with them. He's quickly accepted amongst the family uh, and he's fast friends with everybody. But then soon a series of mysterious deaths into the town as- attracts suspicion um, from, uh, I-, I guess, the sister or the daughter of the family um, played by uh, Micah Monroe. Yeah, Anna is the character's name. Yes. Yes. Um, I guess I'll just throw it to you first. Ryan, uh, the guest, uh what do you think of the guest? I fucking love this movie. Like <laughs> so much. And and it's so crazy rewatching it now. Um because like 10 years removed or almost 10 years removed from this movie. Like now me watching a genre pastiche like The Guest mm-hmm. tends to drive me up the wall. And and I have been no like I made no bones about that on the podcast. Like that type mm. of stuff. Like you really have to nail it, or you have to have something else going on, than to just be this sort of mimic of other things that you've seen and you like. Um, mm. 
And I think the guest like nails that a hundred percent. Like, yeah, of course it's it's a genre pastiche, it's drawing from things that we largely know. Like, yes, there's a little Halloween, yes, there's a little term Terminator. Um, there's Halloween three. There's v- many yeah. visual references to Halloween three, which Simon Barrett and Adam Wingard on the commentary had said, like, they're like, oh, we're just trying to fit in as many things to Halloween three as we possibly could, as they would let us get away with, which, yeah. you know, hey, more power cool. to them. Um, but I think this movie, you know, it's that like line we've talked about, right? Of like good artists create great artists steal. Yeah. You have the masks right there behind you. Uh, <laughs> I'm so, doing the same things. So. Um, and so like, yes, it's genre pastiche, but I think that the way this movie melds its elements together is very strong. I think the performances all the way around are straight up fire. Like every single person big or small is fantastic in this movie. And I think the thing that really like got to me this time out is like the, the world it occupies was really like intoxicating because I felt like even though the movie becomes a kick-ass sort of like Terminator riff in the final Mm -hmm. leg of the movie, I I guess might be minor spoilers. I should have not said that uh, this soon Uh, for anyone who hasn't seen the guests. Like you should watch this movie. Uh, I've been, I've been beating the drum for this movie since 2014, so please go out and watch it. Um, but, like, the palpable sense of loss that the Peterson family feels for their departed son is certainly there. The fact that, like, the town is sort of reminding them, uh, you know, because it's a small town and everybody knows everybody and there's a reminders everywhere about this loss. Uh, there's a sort of, like, with Anna, Micah Monroe's character, who's great. Like, I, I like... Uh, Dan Stevens in this movie and we'll get to that mm-hmm. but I think Micah Monroe is like really the heart and soul of this movie in in my opinion and I think that like there's this sort of like post high school or post collegiate somewhere in that like realm uh, like haziness and like lost and so it's like they go to like a Halloween party and it's pretty like small it's not like a rager but it's like mm-hmm. these these are the fucking parties that I would go to like you know in high school or like when I came home from college because i lived in my hometown for like a brief moment before moving up to the seattle area so it's like yeah i'd feel these sort of aimless parties of just like small groups of people having a good time but it's like punctuated by these like you know barely lit rooms with halloween lights and the smell of stale coors light and pot smoke and it's just like i felt that like deeply (laughs) while rewatching this movie um and so I, I, I adore it. I, I've adored it since day one. Uh, I saw it in the theaters. I'm one. Of, there are dozens of us, uh, as evident by its box office. Dozens. <laughs> dozens. Because um, it didn't do that well. Um, I, I blame Picture House, who was a, like an independent arm of Warner Brothers, who at this time had spun off and had been fully independent, not of a major studio. Um, and I just don't think they marketed the movie very well. It never played more than 60 theaters. Um, it, I was, it was lucky that it even played Portland. I saw it at the tail end of its run in Portland, which was like a week, maybe. Um, oh, I, yeah, it's true, but I'm glad I did. And I, I've been singing this movie's praises ever since, um, you know, for sure. Cause it, it, it's interesting because it felt like, um, and I want to hear your thoughts because it's your pick and I've gone on way too long, but a little bit more context to what I was referring to about a long lead time is, of course, Adam Wingard and Simon Barrett uh, got like pretty big fame from the movie You're Next, which is what they made mm. before The Guest. Your Next 
WoW came out in August 2013, I think the same weekend as The World's End, which we just described on our Patreon. Hey. So go give that Good a plug. listen. Because um, I remember seeing them in the same like 24 hour like time period. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I saw The World's End after work. And then the next morning I went to a matinee of Your Next. And um, Your Next came out 2013, but it debuted at midnight madness at the toronto international film festival which is always the first week of september in any given year that it is in 2011 so it debuted at tiff in 2011 lionsgate picked it up and it sat on the shelf for two years and then finally came out in 2013 wow and then january 2014 the guests played at sundance and then played at south by southwest and other festivals before getting a limited theatrical run in the following september so it seems like they blow it up blown up like really quick with those two movies back to back but there was right. a long lead time from your next like hitting the festival yeah. to actually getting to a general audience for whatever reason um and and the guests is sort of um not similar the guests had a festival january eventually came out that that september had a quicker lead time but yeah uh, but it seemed like these guys were like immediately like like i went from never hearing about them i hadn't seen a horrible way to die at that point which is the movie they made prior to your next and then all of a sudden it's like holy shit who are these guys um and they had a big part in the vhs series at least the first two as well so it's like all of a sudden i'm like this adam wingard simon barrett are everywhere and uh i'm fine with it because i'm really i'm really buying what they're selling but um but like, what do you think about the guest, and and what's your history with this movie? I uh, I saw the the guest in 2014, so I, I would have seen this when I was in Seattle. Um, I think this is one of the movies that I stayed up late by myself and watched. Uh, I used to, I mean, you know, you lived with me uh, pretty close around that time. I would stay up until like three o'clock in the morning um, watching movies and drinking. Um, and I think this is definitely one of those movies I probably threw on at like one o'clock in the morning, not really knowing much about it. And then being like, oh, um, this is actually like pretty good. And I probably shouldn't be this drunk and tired while watching it. But it took me like a while to get back around to watching it. And this is one that for me was like a slow burn. And I think it was because. I had such a hard time sort of pinning the movie down because I like in, in terms of like story and what's going on in the movie, it's fairly clear cut. Like it's pretty mm-hmm. straightforward in, you know, the things that they introduce. And, and that's one of the things that I've come to really appreciate about it is that the, the scale is very small. We're in a very small town. It's feels like a, a Midwestern uh, apple pie and baseball sort of town. Um, Right, yeah, it, but it 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 has that like flat plains and and just like wide open spaces and ranches and and as far as the eye can see, so like it doesn't feel like a big city, but then also it feels like a movie out of time, in that you know a lot of the time you're like as a screenwriter you're like how the fuck do I write around cell phones and like this type of movie that comes out is like just don't fucking worry about them like it just it doesn't even factor into the story like cell phones exist but we're not going to like bother about that minutiae we're just going to let the the things play out and so like it's got this incredible synth score that that really plants in the 80s and like you said allusions to the terminator um i i love micah monroe works at that diner and they dress like sarah, like connor. sarah connor yep absolutely <laughs> it's like just short of a kid putting a scoop of ice cream in her pocket like that's the only thing really missing from from the whole thing but like at 
as these things are coming in, like it's it's hearkening back to like a throwback, and also like the the font that they use for the guest in the title card is the carpenter font. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's 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 a lot of stuff that's like it, it evokes sort of this feeling, but it's not in your face. It's not a Stranger Things where it's just like no. they're they're watching Fraggle Rock on the TV. You remember Fraggle Rock kids? It's like no, we can. We can hearken back to this era of movies without showing reverence for the decade of the 80s. And so, like, it, that, that's one of the things I really like about it is that it, it sets a mood immediately by reminding you of movies of the time. But not necessarily, like, there's a picture of Ronald Reagan in the background of every scene. Yeah, it, it, I like the, what you said about the feeling out of time. And that's that's one of the biggest things that I glom onto about this movie is that, like, yes... Yes, there are cell phones. Yes, it's clearly contemporary, but like it doesn't bother with sort of like it's not hyper contemporary. So it mm-hmm. could, it could feel like it was set in any time. There's not a lot of mem- there's not a lot of member berries. That's the biggest thing I get hung up about Stranger Things, where you're just like, man, you're like, I want to like this for like David Harbour and Winona Ryder, mm-hmm. who are good on that show, but it's like everything else about that like that's the example of the type of genre pastiche that these day and age that bothers the absolute shit out of me like i i I can't stand it versus the guest is is its own thing and it's got such an assured tone which is interesting because it's got a tricky tone because Mm -hmm. it's like at one hand at the start of this it's about like it's about loss and it's about Mm -hmm. like mourning and it's a little bit of a treaty about PTSD, um, especially because you, you get that sense with David, um, which I love that even in the credits, he's quoted as David, David. in quotes, um, you know, played by Dan <laughs> Stevens. And um, like, there's a sense of like PTSD uh, to it, but it's also very funny. Like the movie's got like mm-hmm. a sense, very, very good sense of humor to it. Um, and it's also a horror movie and it's also brutally gleefully violent. Uh, mm-hmm. it's a very violent movie and it, it, it takes utter glee in its violence. <laughs> and it, so did I. It's, and so did I. Fun. Exactly. It's super fun. And so it's got all of these things and the movie never feels even a hair out of step. No. Like, like everything that leads to the next thing all feels of a piece and i think part of that is like just i think wingard's direction is super assured barrett's script is super solid and it started as like two different things that sort of merged into one where like i think they had like writer's block working on something else or at least simon barrett did and uh, he had the idea of like a soldier coming home with ptsd and then they sort of added the more like fantastical elements to it um so there's there's uh, a great script assured direction like i said the performances are good all the way around i like micah Monroe in the movie i like uh like i said i like dan stevens in the movie he's i gotta say like when this movie came out i was like this guy is gonna be the next big thing i was like this guy mm. fucking like is is phenomenal in this movie and it's funny because i've largely not liked him in most things i've seen him in since um, I, I kind of, even if I liked the thing that it is, I've, I've kind of found him to be a little ticky and overacting. Um, hmm. like he was on that FX show Legion, uh, the X-Men like oh, yeah, series. Yeah. I never um, watched it, but it's solid, but I, I, his performance drove me nuts. 
there's the uh, Netflix movie Apostle by Gareth Evans of The oh, Raid, yeah. uh, which is which I is very much that. like The Raid meets Wicker Man. Uh, mm-hmm. Love the filmmaking quality of it, but like Dan Stevens, whatever he was doing in that movie just did not work for me. I'll, I'll concede I really liked him in, um, and he's in the 2017 Beauty and the Beast. I'm not going to lay that on his feet, though, because that movie just sucks, period. But um, he was really great in um, another Netflix movie, uh, Eurovision Song Contest. Uh, mm-hmm. with Will Ferrell and Rachel McAdams. He plays mm-hmm. like a, a Russian uh, um, like pop star and uh, a Lion of Love is the song from it. Just, I recommend the movie, but if you're not going to watch the movie, at least just look like YouTube Eurovision Song Contest Lion of Love and watch that scene. He's great. <laughs> he's absolutely fantastic. Okay. But uh, but I, I think he's phenomenal in this movie and I think he he nails the tone of like he's a large part of i think why the tone works of just this like he's super you understand why the family like gloms on to him super easily because he's super nice and he's super, super like, charismatic he's, and he's charismatic level. he's got that like southern charm to him like mm-hmm. yes sir yes ma'am and the dad yeah like a texas accent almost yeah absolutely yeah. and then like the the dad who's played by Leland Norser, who's I mean, a great character actor, but he'll always be yeah. known as the crying guy from Seven. <laughs> yeah, the the dick knife guy from Seven. <laughs> like, oh, always. Like, I, I know he's been in other things, and I know he's a great actor, but uh, but he will always be that guy in my yeah. mind. Um, oh, it's dick knife. Yeah, yeah. but but he he's like you know he's having like sort of a crisis. I mean, obviously his son just passed away in in uh, you know combat, so there's that. But it's like he's like having work troubles, and he's like clearly sort of drinking a lot and. Uh, he's like watching old old football games too on the TV. Like it's mm-hmm. like fuzzy and pixel. Like it's like you're not watching a a game. Yeah, you're like watching like, like tape. Yeah, exactly. Like Mean Joe Green is playing. Like mm-hmm. that. You know, <laughs> so, um, but he's like, yeah, he has that like thing of like, what's the sir? Like what's the sir contest? Like you call me Spencer and and you'll stay. You'll stay, right? Like like that sequence is like almost heartbreaking. Of just like mm-hmm. he's like, no, no, no. We really want you to stay. Like, don't go, you know, you remind us of our son, but in a good way sort of thing. And it's like, it's like little moments like that, little subtle moments like that, that I think like really make this movie, like really make this movie shine. Yeah, I I think there's, there's something to be said about Dan Stevens portrayal in the movie because the character itself is very campy. Uh, Yeah. He's... He's just the coolest motherfucker that's ever lived. But it doesn't come across in in an edgelord way. Um or because of the other or in a conceited way. Yeah. Sure. Um and it's mostly based off like the characters that are playing around him. It should also be mentioned that uh we're also sort of getting cross cuts over to this side uh, this other like backstory thing that's going on with uh Lance Reddick. Uh, R.I.P. Uh, and sort of learning that uh, David is not who he says he is, that there's some sort of deep, deep government conspiracy um, that is surrounding David and, and they desperately need to find him. So there's this mystery going on. And I think that that also sort of cuts the camp a little bit because 
he's just so fucking nice and he's so suave and so charismatic and he he can hold his liquor like a champ and he can smoke weed every day and, and like nothing seems to bother him or, or like he's a knock him off badass. his feet he's a badass but in a way that's like in for nice like when he yeah he, yeah uh, like when he sort of protects the uh, the the uh, son uh, Luke, played by Brendan yeah. Mayer, uh, when they go to the bar where the football players are being served, and uh, he buys the the ladies a blowjob shot, the blowjob shot. Say, the football players a cosmopolitan and just fucking wrecks them like yeah. to, to no end. And and the way he goes about that whole scene of like uh, where the bartender tells him to leave, and he's like uh, he's like you're gonna tell them that uh, they they came in. And you told them you weren't going to serve them, but they were belligerent because uh, this is, after all, this is what happens when you serve underage people. Right. Well, it's like when he came over to the table and he tried to like kick him out because he's with uh, he's with the younger brother, um, and he he's like, "Did you card them?" <laughs> Points over to the other table, and the guy just goes, ah, "Yeah, what do you want?" <laughs> and it's just like just knowing the exact right things to say in the right situations in order to get the right reactions and stuff like you can like he it's like having the screenwriter in the movie like they 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 know exactly how to push the right buttons and to get the narrative to move in the most interesting way which is an interesting thing to watch but then i love the little scene later on so mike monroe is is like not under his spell like everybody else in the town seems to be she it is getting a whiff of something's not right about this she guy almost she almost falls under his spell like she's she's trepidatious oh, he's trying and, yeah he's trying and she almost does it uh, mm-hmm. uh at the uh at, at, after the party scene mm-hmm. um you know they have a sort of heart to heart and uh he he comments the the soundtrack uh, that's playing in their car. It's uh, which the soundtrack is a total banger. Like we got. Well, he's like, I like this music, and I was like, me too, Dan Stevens. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah, it's Clan Zymox. There's two Clan Zymox tracks in the movie, um, and then there's that amazing uh, uh, needle drop of uh, I think it's Emma by the Sisters of Mercy, mm-hmm. um, which uh, w- when he comes out of the shower, just like she yeah. needs to use it, and he's just like towel around his waist super ripped oh hey did you uh <laughs> yeah. did you go in there for any reason just like yeah. hanging out and, it's like, and then omnibus but he knows what he's doing yeah. he's acting like yeah i mean i know he's acting in the movie but i mean like the David character is acting yes is like none of this is real to him he just needs to get through this role until he can get his surgery done down in florida exactly but yeah he he almost gets micah monroe under the spell it's like that close um, but, uh, but yeah, she just overhears something she wasn't supposed to overhear. And then it's like the suspicion grows, but you know, it, and then it's one of those like, you know, typical horror movie tropes, but again, it's rooted all in character. And that's why mm-hmm. it like works so well in this movie of her being like, he's not who he says he is. And I've called the, the, the military and, uh, they, he was dead and there's no like trace, not no trace, but like he's dead. So he can't be who he says he is. And at this point, everyone's so charmed by him that nobody believes her whatsoever. Right. Um, And And he's just like, well, I have my dog tags. Um, I could find my ID if you want it. No, 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 that won't be necessary. It's just like, (laughs) nobody wants to check who the stranger in your house is, but I, I love that that scene caps off with her going to a room and then David goes into a room, shuts the door, which is a very aggressive and threatening thing to do to close them off. And 
he's still at this point trying to sort of charm her and mm-hmm. and is just like hey you know i i know that there's been sort of this tension going on and, and whatnot but you know i just got some stuff that i'm working on and i'm gonna be out of your hair in a couple of days you know is that okay and then he can tell that she's not buying his line of bullshit and he has like this subtle change of like now it's not me being friendly telling you, hey, you know, you just got to put up with me for a couple of days. It turns into a, I need a couple of days. And if you're going to continue to be a problem, then this is going to go a different way. And like, he doesn't have to say that. He just expresses it in like a very straightforward, serious way where it's like, oh, that's the first time that we actually see David. Like yes. who this dude actually is. Yeah, absolutely. It's 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 a really layered performance. Like you said, camp, but then it turns into something sinister and his performance never like loses balance. Like it's it's no. always like super super balanced the way that he slides into this like utter menace, you don't want to fuck with this guy person and then mm-hmm. slips right back into the super charismatic just like I could charm the pants off anybody the um, you know, the the son gets uh, threatens to be expelled after uh, beating the shit out of a bully um, who deserved it, who deserved it 100 percent. But the school's like, well, we have the zero tolerance policy. So no matter what, he's got to be expelled. And it's like, oh, what did he call him? And he called him the the yeah, F word, the Gisler yeah. F word. And um, he's like, well, like you wouldn't want to that, to you know, to look bad. Reflect, That's a hate what, crime. It's a hate crime. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's turning over the word he said. And the, the, the teacher or the principal being like, uh, but the, the, what, um, well, how about, yeah. uh, after I didn't even school, know he was gay. Yeah. How about after school detention for how yeah. long? A month? That sounds fair. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, oh my God. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a fantastic performance. Like honestly. Oh yeah. And, and like we see that come out every once in a while and uh we get hints of it sort of early on because there's a scene where he talks with um with joel david moore uh who's who's also a great character actor um you know despite being on multiple seasons of tv and in the two of the three highest grossing movies of all time he will always be owen from dodgeball uh in my <laughs> like i know he's in the two avatar movies but he will always be owen from dodgeball um, it's funny megan said the exact same thing where she's like i know that guy from somewhere and then looked it up on imdb and goes oh he's from dodgeball yeah. <laughs> and i was like yeah he's yeah, from dodgeball that's what i most know him from <laughs> You mean the highest grossing movie of all time, Avatar? Yeah, okay, sure, but uh, but Dodgeball. Oh, fuck that. Dodgeball, though? Oh, Dodgeball, that's where I I know him from. Um, (laughs) But there's a scene where he's like, he talks about like how uh, Joel David Moore's character talks about like, we we support you guys, you guys being the veterans. uh, And uh, he's like, "Uh, but not enough to enlist. And uh, he's like, ah, I can't, man. He's like, I got bad asthma. He's like, I couldn't, couldn't what? And he's just like tripping over his words and it's just like dance even's got these steely eyes mm-hmm. just completely under a trance and then like he the camera locks on him and then he just kind of goes nah man i'm fucking with I you. Was fucking with you. <laughs> yeah <laughs> but but like you get a sense you're but he's like scary okay, as fuck. he's not fucking with him no he's absolutely scary as fuck like uh yeah oh my god especially when we get his heel turn with like mm-hmm. the gun deal which ethan Embry for like half a scene yeah. like good to see you man but uh also rip um, thanks for stopping by uh, <laughs> yeah. um good to see you in in uh, outside of uh can't hardly wait um uh, and then what was the what was the one about the increasingly 
uh, violent bets that Ooh, they had to do. Yeah, cheap, cheap thrills. thrills. Yeah, we yeah. need to talk about that on an episode. I love cheap uh, thrills. I don't think I have it on the list. We should, yeah, we'll throw we it in. We should. I, I, actually, I genuinely love that movie. Um, it's a fun-ass movie. Yeah. It is. Um, 100%. But uh, yeah, it was good to see him. And then, uh, uh, or out of... Uh, <laughs> Harold and Kumar. Uh, he's in Harold oh, and yeah. Kumar go to White Castle as well. Um, but, but yeah. Anywho, uh, yeah. Nice to see him for a second, and then uh, yeah, it goes pretty bad for <laughs> very briefly. Yes. <laughs> oh. Um, but no, I mean, like the the last act of this movie is uh, off the chain. Like it, it's yeah. it's so fucking crazy how quickly it escalates and then things just completely fall apart like at the seams oh. and the, it's just like set piece after set piece after set piece culminating in a chase through a halloween like haunted house uh like set and it like i mean first off it got me really excited because i mean coming soon to a good bad what new you we will have an episode that is on um halloween horror fun houses um to talk about which i'm really excited to talk about but like god i love that setting of yeah. being in a haunted house maze with the chain rattling and the <laughs> like sound effects and stuff and then knowing that there's an actual threat somewhere in there is scary as fuck and like i i loved that the movie you know is a horror movie and it has horror movie elements but it's not mm-hmm. like a straight slasher so, so it's it's playing in in this familiar playground but you don't know exactly what to expect next right. and i loved that feeling of being like a familiar setting but i don't know what's coming next and it's just it, like very few movies do that it's a genuinely unpredictable movie despite being built from like things that you've seen before as we mentioned but mm-hmm. yeah i love the i love that haunted house setting it's like and it's like and it's like an amateur haunted house too. It's like for a high school party, like haunted house. Yeah. I mean, it's it's well done for that. Like, but like, but still, it's it's just it, it's fascinating. And and I love the climax setting there. Um, like, I, I love that setting, and I love sort of like, you know, like the, the one of the John Wick movies did that, like a hall of mirrors mm. sort of like mm-hmm. setup. Like, I, I love that. Like, the threat is looming, but you don't exactly know where it is um yeah it's it's awesome the ending of this is awesome it also has arguably the best needle drop in the movie uh antonio by annie sees the movie out which is fucking it's fucking great um you know did did we need the direct uh terminator homage with a thumbs up because we already kind of knew but no not necessarily but it still fits but i loved the, it but it fits the performance <laughs> i loved it too absolutely it makes me laugh every time you did the right thing yeah because <laughs> Up. it's so good oh man yeah i i just i love this movie and i hadn't seen it in a while from beginning to end but like almost immediately i was like locked into it um like they there's know also definitely doing. a shining uh homage at the dance too of uh oh, yeah. dan it dan had taken a bullet to the leg and he's uh chasing micah monroe and there's a fog machine that is obscuring the ground um, but there are bloody footprints and so he like waves his foot to move the fog away and then huh. is like following the bloody footprints and limping his way along out of breath and stuff and it's just like oh this is straight up the shining uh, Dan Torrance yes David absolutely I, I do want to point out like 
for for people who love these kind of movies as we do the tone is almost set before the movie even starts uh because this is one thing i really enjoyed from the commentary um because i got this blu-ray through a website i used to write for and so because of that i i watched all the special features i watched it with the commentary back in 20 late 2014 and um the logo for Snoot Films, uh, which is the production company that produced this movie, uh, Keith Calder is a part of that. He was like a pretty, I don't want to say extremely online maybe, but like he was very like vocal on, on Twitter and learned like some good like production tidbits and was always like candid uh, and stuff like that. But um, the Snoot Film logo for this is repurposed like the Canon Films logo. Uh, like it comes in like the Canon logo and then like kind of like goes out and um both adam wingard and simon barrett wanted to use the actual canon film logo and they had asked if they could do it like they talked with their producer to see if they would be able to pull that off and he's like there's no way in hell like we'll be able to get the rights to do that so Mm -hmm. they just decided to make that company logo in the vein of the canon logo but i think that that's tells you everything you need to know (laughs) right there that's what they were going for (laughs) which is pretty great that's amazing yeah hell yeah i wish they would have gotten it i mean i I understand why they weren't able to get it yeah i get it i do too but i i I wish they would have too but yeah it's it's a it this movie's a blast and it's still to this day probably my favorite wingard slash barrett joint i know they've sort of not gone their own ways i think they've they're coming back uh in, in a way but they've gone on done like different things separate like adam wingard had did the um did the netflix uh produced adaptation of death note um mm-hmm. i think without uh simon barrett um and um it kind of sucks i'm not yeah, gonna lie i didn't hear good things it's not good and I, and i'm someone who has no familiarity with the anime like i know people who love the anime who were really pissed off about it but i have no context so i just watched it as like adam wingard you know joint and i was like eh, this isn't very good um and then Simon Barrett directed, made his directorial debut with a movie called Seance a couple years ago. He also mm. directed a segment from VHS 94, I think. Yeah. Um, and uh, which wasn't wasn't bad. Um, but they're they're reuniting. They're reuniting for the uh, Godzilla vs Kong sequel. Uh, Simon Barrett is writing the script for it, and Adam Wingard is returning to direct. Uh, since Godzilla vs Kong was one of the only successful uh, day and date theater hbo max movies so Mm -hmm. um so he's getting to do that and dan stevens is going to be in it too so so we have we have a full-blown guest reunion and a big michael monroe in it no sadly i look um but they cut uh millie bobby brown and kyle chandler out of it looks like um brian tyree henry is still in it which i mean no disrespect i like him but his character wasn't the most exciting in uh, godzilla vs kong but uh He's back. The, hum- the human characters are never the most exciting thing in, the, in a Godzilla or a Kong movie. No, but I, mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe this will be the return of Dan Stevens, uh, the actor who showed so much promise with the guest. Um, I mean, I guess I never watched Downton Abbey, which I know that's kind of mm. where he got first recognized. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, but it's not a show I, I, I watched. But this this was my introduction to him I, I can ask megan about it she definitely watched it yeah i could ask kate about it too i think she watched it as well <laughs> i could ask my stepmom about it too because she got like super into downton abbey at, at some ah. point but uh i never did uh not for not not, I just, for, not for me no probably not <laughs> no 
I I've walked through the room while Megan was watching it and was like, I'm gonna go do anything else. <laughs> you stuffy period British drama, just not not, not yeah, for you. a bunch of like rich fucks yeah. that are just like I'm. If a meteorite came in and just destroyed this entire building that everybody's in, then I would be intrigued about the show. <laughs> I will give credit. Speaking of it being stuffy British British period drama. Dan Stevens is so good and nails the accent in this movie that I forget he's actually British. I, mm-hmm. I always forget that he is a Brit and because um, he is so damn convincing in this movie, like which is like part of the assignment of the character of David is being this sort of like convincing uh, mm-hmm. good, good old, good old boy, you know, sort of thing. And, and uh, it's it's impressive. Like you wouldn't you wouldn't guess he was like because I mean, just some Brits have a hard time with the accent. It's true. But uh He's not one of them, he, like, at all, so. No. But uh, do you have any other thoughts on the guests before we uh, move uh, on? Go watch it. Please <laughs> do, yes. It's, it's, and this movie is highly accessible. It's on any rental platform. Like you said, Second Sight just put out in a, uh, what I presume is a great 4K. It's very good, it. yeah. Um, I didn't, I haven't gotten it. I will probably eventually get it. I still have a Blu-ray from... 2014 so i i'm still holding on to that for dear life but right speaking of michael monroe i did get the it follows one though and that one was fantastic. i got fantastic yeah, oh, yeah good good as you should <laughs> <laughs> um well speaking of fantastic uh uh <laughs> too too much cheapening the word i think uh <laughs> it's probably yeah cheap. do we want to uh jump on headfirst into the divine enforcer i mean how else can you talk about the divine enforcer than jumping in headfirst there is a cancer in our streets hey sugar what are you looking for tonight welcome gentlemen why don't you take a seat rumors got it you got the best peruvian marching powder in town there is a line between good and evil. Why don't you get on your knees and show us how you pray? Now it's time to take the streets back. Playtime's over, boys. Time to go home. Last night in downtown LA, an estimated $15 million of cocaine went up in smoke due to a mysterious individual. In his left hand, a Bible. In his right hand, a gun. There was another one of those horrible murders. They found this girl drained of her blood. Now, a psychopathic killer... Oh, a new friend. ...is on a cannibalistic rampage. <laughs> Do you believe in life after death? Yes. He has possessed the city. I'm invincible, baby. And the only way to stop his terror is to face his evil. Open the gates of hell. I'm the right hand of God. If the cops can't do their job, somebody has to. My God, what is this world coming to? I make a lot of money, you know. The government's been after me a long time. Nobody can get me. Why the priest uniform? I'll bet you a hundred bucks she's a virgin. God forgives, but I don't. Oh God! Uh, starring such uh, uh, amazing stars uh, as Jan Michael Vincent, uh, Eric Estrada, Jim Brown, uh, Robert Zadar. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a regular who's who of shitty B movies uh, from the late '80s, early '90s. Don Strode. Um, yep. Yep. Uh, 
Judy Landers. I don't know where I recognize her from. I but. don't know. Or uh, or or our our charismatic lead actor michael m foley just just a, a wealth of uh, uh he doesn't even have a, a picture on imdb and that's honestly like the best description of this man's acting ability is that he's just a a blank grayed out avatar <laughs> if 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 plank from ed ed and eddie was given a, <laughs> a starring role it would it would look like something like this that's a diss against plank <laughs> that's true sorry plank <laughs> i didn't mean to besmirch your name um i want to ask you because you introduced this to the corn screen crew where the hell did you stumble across the divine enforcer so i can only give credit to who pointed me in the direction to finally watch it I don't remember where I heard about this uh, oh, okay. initially. Um, there's a fantastic uh, program at the Grand Illusion Cinema in Seattle, Washington uh, called VHS Uber Ales, and they play movies that are only available on VHS. Um, they're $3. They, they do it once a month. Um, and I've had a great time every time I've gone. Uh, and we've talked about pretty much every movie that I've gone to on this show. We talked about the Freeway Maniac, uh, which I saw at VHS Uber Ales. Uh, we talked about Elves, uh, which yeah. I did also saw at VHS Uber Ales. And so this one, I didn't get to go. I bought a ticket, and but it's like you know it's nine thirty on a Saturday, and uh, I'm old now. I turn into a pumpkin after like eight <laughs> o'clock. So. It's one of those things where I'm like, after I get my kids to bed, I'm like, okay, like, do I want to drive 40 minutes to the U district? Sometimes. Yeah. Yes. Sometimes I'm into it. Sometimes like hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I just did it for the new Neil Breen movie, uh, which, well, I mean, you have, to. I mean, coming soon to a good, bad, what near you, uh, once what do you get to see it for sure? Um, but, um, so they were playing the divine enforcer and also here's the weird thing. They give the description of the movie, but they don't uh, give the title. Like, it's supposed to be a surprise. Hmm. Um, But when I saw the description, I was like, that sounds familiar. And so I put it into Google, and then I found it. And then I had looked through my YouTube uh, library of, like, your save watch for later, where I have hundreds, and I'm not exaggerating, literally hundreds of, of dirtbag VHS movies that have been ripped there because they're only available on VHS. Right. And at some point, at some time, I had put the Divine Enforcer on my watch later list. So I can't remember the origin, but the fact that that the VHS Uber Ales series played it, it sounded bonkers and awesome. I bought a ticket. I couldn't make it to the showing, but I knew I was like, it's in my YouTube to watch list. So mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm kind of like, I don't feel like driving the 40 minutes to an hour to go watch it. But I was like, but I could take a gummy and vibe and watch it at home. Yeah. So I did that. And That's the correct way to do it. I holy think. shit. I was like, this movie <laughs> is incredible. Like incredible in a, what it is sort of way. Yeah, the, an asterisk there. Multiple asterisks. But this <laughs> but if you're but if you're a dirtbag like me and you're watching like all these movies to find like the diamond in the rough. Like 
this is to me that kind of diamond in the rough. But the, by that, I mean, I had to watch like 50 other movies that are like total crap that have no redeeming value whatsoever to eventually get <laughs> to the divine enforcer. But I watched it and I was just like, oh, my God. I don't remember what my corn screen pick was for our latest wheel uh, to give our viewers a glimpse. We have a digital wheel. We spin every week. Everyone makes a pick and we spin until we go through everybody's picks and then everybody picks again. I don't remember what my pick was, but I immediately changed it to the Divine Enforcer because we hadn't gotten my pick yet. <laughs> and so it was funny because you would just watch Death Dream as you yeah. sort of preface. And then we did Corn Screen and we landed on the Divine Enforcer. And like like 10 minutes into this movie, you're like, I'm putting this in the episode with Death Dream and the gas <laughs> like, like almost immediately. And I was well, like, they showed the killer in the car with his hat on, which is like it's like a veteran hat where it has like the gold leaf along the bill of the hat, and it's like uh-huh. USS whatever on the the front of the hat. And I was like, hey, that guy's a veteran. Oh shit! Like, oh, I could make this work. Well, it's it's sort of twofer, right? Because there's there's the killer played by Don Strode, mm-hmm. who is just having the time of his life in this movie it's someone has to someone has to because (laughs) because the the main character wasn't going because the main character wasn't going for it and then after don strode the bigger names are eric estrada and jan michael vincent who spend the entire movie sitting down at a table their 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 parish is like grandma's uh, dining room um with complete with like the same clock that I'm 90% like the same grandfather clock that I'm 90% sure my grandma has. Yeah. Like it, it, it's, oh, it's, and we had those chairs that they were sitting in too. I recognize so much of that furniture in that house. It's so funny. We're like, Oh, this is like, I guess it's supposed to be the kitchen of the parish, which is weird because they shoot in an actual church. There yeah. is an actual church that they shoot in, in this movie. But then when, when father Daniel, uh, I guess also this is another air quotes uh, uh, movie. <laughs> Again, I know we're jumping around here, but like this movie bar, this movie. So does the movie. The movie jumps around. So what you could do. So Michael Fo- Foley uh, plays Father Daniel. Um, and again, quotes. That will be important later. Um, is it? But not really. It's it, it's a gag. It's like a gag that's the. We'll get, we'll get there. And it we'll doesn't make there. any sense. No, it does not. But uh, so we're introduced to Dan Strode, as you said, as the killer with the veteran hat. But then we're introduced to Michael Foley as Father Daniel, who uh, comes across. We have no context for any of this at this moment in time in the movie. We have some context in about five minutes or so. But he comes across a woman being assaulted by three guys. Uh, Fortunately, it never goes past just them sort of tugging at her arms and legs. Yeah. But we understand the implication. But but, but we know exactly what they're trying to do. And so he comes in and he's not wearing a hat that specifically says he's a veteran, but like you could tell this dude is like knows some shit. Um, Yeah. Because he comes in and uh, tells them to stop doing what they're doing. And uh, they're like, hey, mind your business, buddy. And he's like, okay suit yourself and like straight up jump kicks the one dude punches the others uh he gets one guy in sort of an arm lock and stabs the dude <laughs> through the arm this is the first five minutes of the movie by the way um it's great. and it's fantastic and it's just like he just fucks all these dudes up and we have no idea who this guy is where the scene is anything like that he saves this woman she leaves and then the very next scene 
is uh, Eric Estrada sitting at, at Grandma's uh, dining room table. Dressed as a cardinal. Dress, yeah, he's like the, uh, um, and you might know better than me because I, you were raised Catholic. I was not. He's it's, like, it, there's, a, he's a Monsignor. Monsignor, that's right. Okay, so Monsignor, and then there's the the there's a woman there who's dressed in like, uh, like lederhosen, like she looks like she's going to Oktoberfest. It confused the ever living hell out of me the entire time, where I'm like, what? Is the, like is she the maid? Is she what? Who is this? Woman? It's never clear. It's never it's, clear. Cause she, I mean, if anything, she should be a nun. But like, she's not dressed like a nun. Let's no. It it it's it's bizarre, and it's not like scantily, but it's just, but it's enough to where you're like, what is going on exactly? Well, as far as we know, there's like a cardinal and then two priests that live in this house, and mm-hmm. it, it it it's. Not the church, but it's like we understand that the different priests will come and live at this house together. So, like, it, why are, are they like in an Airbnb and this woman like owns the house and brings them breakfast? Or like, it, it's the relationship is not defined, but we're led to understand that they know this woman very well and they've worked together for a very long time. So, it's just like, does she like keep the books or it's. It's never and it's never explained. It's no, never none explained of it, whatsoever. Very little is explained in this movie. That's a fair point. And so uh, then there's a knock at the door, and it's Father Daniel uh, saying that he has been assigned to this parish, um, which like automatically like you could sense it fits into your category of like the someone coming and not being who they say they are because it's like mm-hmm. we just saw this guy in like what looked like military sort of get up before and now he's wearing like you know he's wearing the priest outfit with the collar and everything and it's like this dude is six foot four completely <laughs> jacked like uh like and that's the only reason he's in because this guy uh um michael foley he has like a dozen film credits and there are things that have been in other sort of bad movie programs. He's in Cybernator. He's the oh, blue. Nice. He's the blue guy in Cybernator. Um, he's in Karate Cop. Um, that tracks. Yeah, and, and so it. But like, the guy's a bad actor, but he clearly knows martial arts. Like his fighting, that would get you gigs back and, in the day, and that would get you, especially in the VHS era, because they don't mm-hmm. have enough money to pay an actor in a stunt double. So they're like. So they were looking at stunts first and acting right. second where they're like, could you, could you memorize these lines and say them in front of a camera? Yes. Okay. Uh, you're hired as long as right, you can yeah. do the stunt. You are our main character now. Yeah. You are our lead actor. Which, I mean, I'll give him credit. The dude can do the stunts. Like, the guy's oh, yeah. fighting is legit. Like, uh, like yeah, he's even, throwing back kicks and high knees and shit. Well, I especially that, that opening scene where he, like, he grabs that one dude and, like, kicks him in the chest, like, th- high kicks him, like, three yeah. times, knocks him over, and then stabs him in the fucking arm. Like, it's, it's, <laughs> the, the dude knows what to do, but the problem is of, at least of these movies, because I've seen the other two I mentioned, this is the one that asks the most of him from an acting perspective. Mm. Oof, yikes. Because um, Oops. Uh, oops. Uh, because <laughs> we find out that not only is he, uh, you know, he's at this parish and he's, um, you know, he's working the confession booth and whatnot. Uh, we find out really quickly where a guy sort of confesses to... Um, 
sleeping with a man but asks if like homosexuality is a sin no not even sleeping oh. with a man he dresses like a woman oh he and he's not a homosexual he just likes dressing like a woman and he asks if that's a sin and he answers yes and it's like where is that in the bible it's it's bullshit. dressing like a woman <laughs> i mean well if you're dressing in uh cloth that's uh made of two different materials then yes that is a sin actually so uh, okay well so, so so don't get the cotton polyester blend if you just get like a full cotton dress you're solid you're good so you're telling me bugs bunny is a sinner <laughs> dressing in drag dressing like a woman <laughs> wrecks my whole worldview man um but uh <laughs> anyway we find out in that sequence that this dude has basically the shining <laughs> that yeah. he that he he can see as people are telling him these things he can see them actually happening or he could see things before they're going to happen and so he utilizes this power to stop crimes in the name of the lord <laughs> He's the divine He's enforcer. The divine enforcer. He has crucifixes with a blade fashioned at the bottom. Oh of them. yeah. Oh, <laughs> it's just... it, yeah. It's like Constantine shit. Yes, but but it, but like but no supernatural elements except for his sort of shining ability. He yes. just sees that a drug deal uh, uh, orchestrated by Robert Zadar is going to go down, and then goes and like fucking kills everybody. <laughs> But he like, doesn't even kill anybody. He kills like two guys, That's and true. the drug deal still happens. Robert Zadar and, and the, I don't even think Robert Zadar and um, who's this fucking guy? Uh, I, I it's hard for me to find him oh, on Jim the IMDb Brown? page. Be, no, no, uh, uh, Michael M. Foley. Uh, it's hard oh. for me to find him on the IMDb sheet because it's the Gray Avatar. So then I'm like, which one of these is? It? And is he's like the main character, but he's like the seventh listed on IMDb. Um, but then yeah, he kills Jim Brown, um, which is you know named actor that that he kills. But like he doesn't come flying in. And put a stop to the drug deal, and he like breaks up the whole thing, and like one man army takes everybody in the room. Like there's a separate gunfight happening somewhere else in the warehouse, and he's like over here taking out henchmen, and then like catches Jim Brown in a stairwell and takes him out. And it's like That's you're true. really shitty at this. Yeah, <laughs> like, he's not good at it. That's the thing. He's like he can see the things happening, but like he really is not like good at it to the point where uh, Don Strode shows up like multiple times in the confession booth three different times basically confessing to murder which is what he's yeah. doing he's he's the los angeles vampire or like model f los angeles vampire where he's like draining women of their blood um and, and leaving them for dead um he basically confesses and he can't like see like there's something that where he can't see it happening um mm-hmm. and, and and he's like wait, did you actually, like, do these things? And I was like, dude, you have this ability to, like, right. what, <laughs> why can't you see that this dude um, is actually doing what he's doing? It's it's bonkers. It's absolutely bonkers. And then he meets another woman. Um, is it... Uh, there's a lot of people with... Uh, um, a lot of people with a great out name here on IMDb. Is it <laughs> a lot of people embarrassed that they were in this movie? That's fair. Is it is it uh, uh, Carrie Chambers who plays Kim? Is Kim the the woman who can also shine? Maybe I, I know it's not Hooker. 
Uh, no, it's not Hooker, and it's not uh, Myrna because she's the one with the in the lederhosen. Um, yes, you could see, I could see by the picture that's clearly her because uh, this is a brunette woman, and this is uh, she's a blonde woman. But um, but but there's this this girl who's um, you know eighteen going on forty, um, and that's not to be a diss. That's just how these movies go. Or she's like, oh, I was like eighteen, and I was like, honey, no, uh, like, yeah. And, and, and honestly, if it was a dude, I'd say the exact same thing because that happens yeah. in these sort of slash movies all the time, where it's like, "I'm just in a senior in high school." It's like, "Yeah, uh, how many can't years? wait to graduate next week." It's like, "Ooh, you got held back for 15 <laughs> years." <laughs> so yikes! She, so she was like, uh, uh, she like was a uh, a sex worker who had like left that life, mm. um, but it turns out she also has. The same ability, the shining, the shining, the shining uh, and uh, and he like keeps steering her periodically um, to um, like I guess train her and help her hone her powers. Um, either well, she conv- shows up fifty five minutes into the movie at the confessional booth. Yes, to confess that she has these visions, and she does see the uh, the vampire. Um, she can see the killer. That's yeah. She can she see sees killer. it and he doesn't, and so then. They that have becomes to work like together. their relationship, but yeah. it's fifty-five minutes into this ninety-two-minute movie, including yeah. credits. Uh, or including, she credits. should have been in from like the very beginning yes. of the movie. We should know because we watched this on YouTube via a VHS rip. So I mean, because this movie is only available on VHS. So unless you want to go to eBay and drop anywhere from thirty to fifty dollars, or you know, it is on YouTube. Um, Fifty-five minutes into this ninety-two movie minute movie that includes credits and includes a trailer for a another trailer. Prism uh, release at the start of this file, um, so it's very late in the movie. She shows up, but she can see the vampire; he cannot. So they have to team up. They then they start meeting at like the park uh, where they see a guy. <laughs> a guy tries to steal a woman's purse, and he like. Slaps the shit out of him. I'm just going to say that those exact words in that exact order. He just, like, grabs him by the collar and just, like, like open palm, just, like, back and front hands the shit out of this dude until he gives the purse back to this woman. And then he, like, asks her to apologize to the lady, and she just goes, fuck you, and yeah. runs away. Super rude. Uh, there, there's, like, and this movie jumps around. I think the only two other big things it jumps until we around. get the, I wanted to mention was like uh, the scene where Don Strode uh, eats cornflakes out of a skull. Like, yeah, we, we can't go let this go past to, with not. He's like draining the blood out of some woman and he's like inexplicably like must just have low blood sugar or something. He's like hungry and he can't find a bowl. He finds a skull uh, uh, in, in, in the cupboard as one does. Um, at, at what? At, here's my my uh, my gross and too real. uh, uh uh, insertion into the episode. Uh, Ed Gein did that. He uh, Ooh, used human human okay. skulls, and he would eat uh, cereal and and soup out of them and stuff. Okay, so um, that was a that was a, a homage or, or again an, an, another Ed Gein inspired so many film killers, and then also you know sure. he's the vampire of L.A. Um, and he's screaming about how he can feel his organs moving around and that his head is changing shape. And Richard Chase was the vampire of Sacramento, and that was a mental illness that he had. He felt he didn't have enough blood in his body, and that his um, head was growing spikes and 
and mm-hmm. the only way to stop it was to get blood, and so then he would kill and drink people's blood. Okay. Um, well, I appreciate that context because I didn't have any of that as as someone who's just you know not as into true crime as you. This is what I do wife. with my free time. I'm sorry. No, no, you don't have to apologize. My wife's the same way. She could she probably knew all of that, and I have no idea whatsoever. But uh, but no, I appreciate that 100. percent But uh, I couldn't let the conversation of this movie pass without pointing that out because it yeah. is somewhat significant. Um, the other scene that I had was very amused by is uh, there's a full blown musical slash dance number in this movie, yeah. um, which, which is, it's actually kind of an earworm. Um, I was kind of into the, the musical number, um, but I mean, it's, it's like, no shimmy slide, but no, but like, as far as these movies go, you could do much worse. Like, you know, I mean, the shimmy slide is like, come on Banger. top yeah. top notch you you can't you can't top that but um but like the the song's really good the choreography for this type of thing is not bad and it, this is after we find out the um this is after we meet the girl who can also shine because this was the mm. club that she was working at uh, and it's um and it's headed by uh Ken Daviton um who again character actors in a million things but he will always be Borat's producer who fought him naked yep. um how could he not be uh but uh divine enforcer shows up totally wrecks this place and like wills ken davitan to have a heart attack Mm -hmm. is how he like finishes him off like (laughs) i was like is that part of your shining power too is you just will that to happen or like it's not very well explained no, in what he can is. and cannot do. <laughs> it's not. And I laughed so hard every time he had his sort of shining vision because, again, this guy is literally a block of wood. Like, the guy <laughs> the guy cannot emote. Um, the movie requires him to try and emote in a couple sequences, and, and it's it goes wrong in all the right ways. Um, yeah. But, like, it just does this, like, close-up uh, from, like, the nose up of just these, like, dead wide eyes um which is like a red filter uh uh, over top and it's like in slow motion too even though Mm -hmm. like he's hardly moving you didn't need to put it in slow motion but they did it anyway um but like it's it's so funny and it's even funnier that like i noticed this especially in the scene where uh somebody from his past like calls him out of like you can't do this i think he even acts as this divine enforcer like like you know like this (laughs) Like it's oh, a yeah. line of demolition between man. you and God. Yeah. yeah. Enough of this demolition man shit. Like, you know, having to fit the title <laughs> into the, the movie. But like every time that uh that he, uh, Michael Foley, is like talking back and it has like a medium shot of him, the dude doesn't blink. Like he is like wide eyed the entire time. And I was just like <laughs> it's it's so funny. He's like <laughs> petrified to be on camera, He's which terrified. which is a a bad quality for somebody who's the star of your film. It's not good. Uh, I mean, and, and like I said, that mentioned the other movies that I have seen him in, uh, Cybernator and um, uh, Karate Cop. Well, it's, he's under makeup in both those movies, and he's not like a main character in. Right. Uh, I mean, like he's in him, but he's not like the lead character in the movie. Um, so it like makes sense. Which also, Robert Rundle, the director of this, directed Cybernator. Uh, this, oh. So, uh, mark equality. Okay. Mark equality. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I think it was just like, they knew what they wanted to do with it and they knew they needed somebody who could do martial arts and they knew it was a cheap movie. So they're like, Hey, you could fight. 
but like yeah they just they just ask way too much of them where it's just like why don't you get either of like the hologram man co-leads you know or anything like that where like <laughs> oh dude I, I mean i'm just saying like they could fight and actually like do some acting you know like enough sure that, where i could have pulled this off like you know get get evan lurie in this role could you imagine that would have been amazing ah uh, such an uh, intellectual sphincter it, you know what it would have given this movie a fla- more flavor than it already has if you got like, somebody <laughs> with personality instead of this this fucking guy well i think i think for me like the biggest bummer about the divine enforcer is that the the basic premise or idea is not terrible no. like the i mean really like a constantine esque thing but like an origin story for such a thing where like i i i am so connected to god that he gives me visions like did you ever see frailty oh yeah, uh, yeah with yeah, bill yeah. paxton uh, bill paxton uh, directed it too didn't he yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um that movie's incredible I, I think i have it on the list somewhere for a future episode but like that idea of like God divined into me these visions of evil people or crimes that are going to happen, and I feel it's my responsibility uh, to stop them by whatever means necessary, and that's why he's sharing this this vision with me. And if they would have introduced the woman who has a stronger shinning than he does earlier on in the movie. And so he's like grappling crisis of faith sort of thing going on. And then this woman is introduced and these murders are going on. And then they have to form a shaky alliance where he's trapped between this idea of like, God is telling me to do these things, but like, I, you know, I'm not supposed to kill, but I feel like that's like the next logical way for me to go. And then this woman is in danger and, and they're friends now. So he feels compelled to like, take that extra step and and go past the threshold and become the divine enforcer that uh, he's fought being like there is a story there yes that could be good and could be intriguing and they fuck it up from frame one and it makes it hilarious because you're like i'm waiting for the good part to happen and, and we're just we're watching uh fucking don stroud uh, sucking on poor some poor extra woman's boobs yeah, uh, oh. and she's not having a good time no <laughs> and no. neither am i uh, i mean well i wasn't having a good time during that scene but i had a good time for like 95 percent of this movie but i would agree some some of it gets too sleazy for like some of the scenes are, are like a little bit like uh guys come on like we know that there's a boob quota but like you gotta fucking cut but, that shit but, but like you could just you could just have them out like you don't you have to show do the anything. moves yeah yeah exactly like um uh yeah 100 percent there with you on that one um but but no i agree i think that this is one of those like kind of classic like you know i i don't love the term so bad it's good but it's but if you want to call it that it is that sort of thing where it's like and that only happens with like genuine like attempts at, at like mm-hmm. at, at like a great idea and that's where i think the divine enforcer is fun in that way where like you said it has a really great idea at its core it's not bad at all it's interesting concept and it's bungled from the start but it but to the benefit of the viewing like oh sure like it would if it was like it would be better if it was like way better 
But like, it's one of those movies where if it was only like kind of better, it would be worse because you'd be like, ah, this is kind of boring sort of thing where it's like, but this one misses the mark so badly that it's like, it's amusing from the start. Um, I, I guess before we start to pivot to our next movie, we, we do have to talk about our quote unquote top build actors at this movie. We have to talk about Eric Estrada and Jan Michael Vincent. <laughs> yes. Which I cannot understand why. Like, I know why the top build because they got paid the most to be in the movie. Yeah, sure. But like, dude, like, there, there needs to be a new term for phoning it in that is like the next level beyond oh that like telegrammed time. in they're they're in the lo- they're in the same location for 95 percent of their scenes there's approximately one shot in which eric estrada is somewhere else and one shot where um jan michael vincent is somewhere else um other than that they're at the the breakfast table at grandma's house in just about every single scene that they're in and every single scene and it was so funny during corn screen because i just looked in the corner of the zoom call and i saw your face because you lost it every single time it was so funny because every single time it's like it's it's like episodic where there's uh dan don strode will commit a murder and then the divine enforcer will fuck some people up unrelated to that murder for whatever thing that he shown at that time and then it's the next morning and Divine Enforcer is sitting at, the, at Grandma's breakfast table with Eric Estrada and Dan Michael Vincent. And every single scene, Dan Michael Vincent is reading about the latest murder from the L.A. vampire in the newspaper, c- completely slurring his words. He is hammered. Hammered. Absolutely hammered. This is a Jin Michael Vincent performance. Oh, like, and, and you can see in the scenes where like he kind of has to like look at one of the actors like he has he has like tracer eyes where like his eyes kind of have to like catch up and stuff and he'll like lean his head and like he's he's got like sort of blinky eyes and you're like dude he is he's drunk he's very very drunk he's visibly drunk in this movie like 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 this is like alienator ice cream man oh, yeah. like any of those ones this is on that level where it's like that guy's visibly intoxicated and so he's like, and he's slurring his words and you could see, and it's so And he funny. has to read the paper. And he has to read the paper. <laughs> Arguably the script might be on the other side of that paper. We don't know. We don't see it. Um, but it was. Because oh, he's a professional. He knows, he knows to hide that. But he, yeah, he is. He, exactly. So he, always, <laughs> he reads about this latest murder and every single time Eric Estrada just gets mad at him for reading the paper, he's like, no, he's like, this is awful. Nobody wants That's to not breakfast this. talk. Not breakfast yeah. talk. And this happens three times. <laughs> yeah. And the second time. Oh, I man, laughed. get a load of this one. This so is a vampire. I laughed so hard the second time. And, and this is why specifically the second time. And I noticed it on this viewing, which is now my third time watching this movie in like the last month. Um, something is really wrong with me, but, um, <laughs> but, uh, the second time. So it's, it's clear from the jump that Jan Michael Vincent is intoxicated. I, oh, I, yeah. I again, want to stress that, but he is certainly doing his best to hide the fact that he is Oh, sure. like he, he actually is trying to hide that fact. He can't, but, but he's trying. There's a scene, there's a moment in the second scene of him in it. And he's wearing these, like, low, like, kind of grandma glasses. Mm-hmm. He, in the second one, he takes his glasses off, and he is 
more visibly hammered like like the gla- <laughs> like the glasses almost like sort of magnified or like they like they were almost I don't know, like made him more wide-eyed, made him more animated, I guess, if you will. But the second he takes them off, they're like, like sunken and like sort oh, of man. squinting. And it's well, like and he like leans forward on the table. And yes, like, and has the glass. I was like, oh, buddy, yeah. dude, you are put glasses Ooh. back on. Put the gla- <laughs> like we know, but like, put those glasses back on, man. Like, and uh, it was, it was amazing um like i said there's approximately one scene per actor there's a scene with the divine enforcer and eric estrada like in front of like a a a crucifix somewhere in the church um that's the only scene in which eric estrada uh, supposedly stands but like uh but the other guy's so tall that it's like ah he could be sitting i don't know we just filmed it from the back so it's really hard or, to see. or like i said there's a, a pa that's gotten propped up on a piece of plywood and he just like <laughs> it's pushed him up into frame maybe well i mean i would i would i would say that if it was jan michael vincent eric Estrada will give a little bit more like you know he's phoning it in but he's not hammered like he's just no yeah there um, but there is another scene with Jan Michael Vincent, which is actually pretty good. His last, his death scene is actually pretty solid. In the confessional booth? In the confessional yeah. booth, yeah, where where Don Strode is there, and he, like, stabs him through the booth, and it's a really good, like, makeup effect through there. Um, mm-hmm. But, of course, he's still sitting uh, in the confessional booth, but... Uh, he I couldn't stand, J- so they... They had to write around they, they, it. They had to do it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that movie Enemy Territory where it's like, was your character supposed to be in a wheelchair or is it just that you're too drunk to move? And so we decided to make it a wheelchair. But... Uh, <laughs> hey, every... I mean, like, a lot of these B-movie actors have that point in their career. Uh, uh, Cameron Mitchell, one of our favorites, has that point mm-hmm. in his career where I'm just going to sit now. Like, that's... I've put my time in and now I'm a sitting actor. Yeah, that's true. We, we we argued when we talked about Hypnotic that Ben Affleck may be well on his way to that. He's trying to get there. And I, I mean, I respect it, man. If I could get paid to sit around, I would. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, but yeah, this movie, if you couldn't already tell, um, you should watch this movie if you're listening. Yeah. Um, with caution. Like, proceed with caution. But like... It's not going to be good. Just like, know that. No, no. I mean, like... For the sake of this episode, it is 100% squarely in the right spot that it needs to be. <laughs> However, I think this movie is a blast and in most other categories would probably be a what? Because it transcends categories. It's just a mm. bonkers movie. Um, oh, yeah. And it should be seen to be believed. Um, like, it, it again, it's one of those rare movies because like. I had seen Cybernator, and Cybernator is kind of boring, like in all honesty, mm-hmm. and 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 it's probably a technically better movie than this one, um, but it's sort of like eh, whatever. But this one, it was like, again, it was just so odd from the jump, from the time that, like, when the movie opens with the him bending that guy's arm back and stabbing it through with a knife, yeah. I was like, oh, this is interesting. <laughs> I'm on board. <laughs> whatever this is <laughs> yeah well and, and still at that point you had no idea because everything that had happened so far had zero context as to no, what was going on no, they were two disparate things and then three <laughs> disparate scenes things. you're like yeah 
yeah, I don't know what this is, but I'll keep watching it. And that's pretty much the whole movie. Exactly. Should we talk about like the last 20 seconds where this enforces the idea (laughs) that the person's not who they say they are just so it actually technically fits the category? Um, We have to defend it being in the episode. We have to defend it being in the episode. So, um, (laughs) so, um, Father Daniel defeats the, the vampire. They have their standoff. He, uh, it's a badass line, but it's delivered in his boring, stoic way, so it doesn't land. But uh, he has, God forgives, I don't, which yeah. like it on paper sounds badass, but delivered by this guy, it's uh, it's not um, at all. But um, no. evil's conquered, evil's defeated. Um, then we cut to um, we cut to Eric Estrada sitting in the chair and the woman in her leaderhosen uh, at the table. And, uh, you know, talking about whatever the fuck, uh, about, oh, about, about him being the vampire being killed. Uh, they read it in the newspaper, which also like you were chastising Jan Michael Vincent for reading in a newspaper. Uh, so are you just doing it in his memory now? Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, he's not here. So, so I, I guess I gotta be the one to do it. Um, and so then there's a knock on the door girl in her leader hose in, uh, walks up to the door, opens it. And uh, this, like, schlubby, sort of, like, nerdy guy with a nasally voice goes, like, well, hello there. I'm Father mm-hmm. Daniel. Puts her, his hand out to meet him. And then she, like, turns, spikes the camera. Spikes the directly camera. into the camera. And then the credits roll with that banger uh, song from Midway mm-hmm. the movie. And that's, um, that's the Divine Enforcer. <laughs> right. But it's, like... That reveal doesn't even mean anything. Because, of, like, what are, are they trying to imply that this guy was posing as father daniel and yes. that he just does this he just goes or because he yeah. seemed to be fighting back against his calling i don't like I, I don't like he seemed to be like wrestling with the whole identity of being the divine enforcer like he didn't feel like a batman like there was no scene of him doing prep work and really and like and really being like no like this is like i i use my cover as a priest to do like we see a lot of him like at the church doing confessions and like mm-hmm. tr- like try and, and like walking around and like having lunch with that lady in the park and stuff like we really don't get a sense that this guy is a hardcore vigilante it seems like a lot of the times that it happens is like happenstance or a direct result of him getting a shining attack and then being like, oh, I, I should go do something about that now. Like, it he doesn't play out like a superhero, which is why that whole reveal at the end made it so weird. Because it's like, oh, okay, so he does do this regularly, but he's just really, really bad at it. I mean, I think that's what they implied was that he goes around and does this and impersonates, like, you know, other, like, goes to other like these parishes who are expecting another priest and he goes and impersonates whoever that priest is supposed to be and does it. I do, I do think Mm -hmm. that was the intention, but like you said, it's all wrong because there's no like montage of him doing it. The, the closest we get is him in his non priest get up, uh, beating the shit out of those dudes trying to assault that woman in the beginning of the movie. And then all of a sudden five minutes into the movie, it's like five minutes of the movie. And then the very next scene, he's in his priest get up at the, at grandma's house slash the parish. Um, right and so it just it doesn't like but we didn't get a scene before that of him divining them like attacking the woman and he showed up to stop like as far as we know he was just walking down just the a same drifter. path just a guy who's like like a good samaritan who's like yeah, hey you should he's in the right that. place at the right time yeah. to to stop a crime in in, prog- in process like he 
yeah it doesn't it, it, it there's no lead in to it i i no. <laughs> like i said i think you're right i think the ending is supposed to signify that this is a thing that he does and he is now left and he's gone to do the next thing and there's that scene where i talked about with his old buddy where he's like doesn't blink oh, right. through any of the scenes where he's you know the uh <laughs> and yeah. you know talks about like you know you need to not like not doing this that's sort of like the, i guess the whatever conflict they try to instill and it doesn't quite work um and so it's it sort of insinuated that yeah this is not the first time he's done this but uh you really have to search and dig for that and uh, yeah and, and even then you're reaching so well i hope it's the last <laughs> well <laughs> hey man like the best remakes are like take <laughs> take an idea that didn't quite work and and remake yeah. it so hey the divine enforcer Right for the taking. There's a great idea in this movie somewhere. It, there is a very good idea in there, honestly. Yeah. Uh, like it, it could be like, like I said, like a Constantine origin story yeah. of somebody who, who like starts getting these visions and then like builds up to it. Crisis of faith. Like there's some good character stuff that you could do in there that they just completely leave out of this. Oh movie. yeah, they don't do any <laughs> shit with that. Um, but but again, it's also to the benefit of our viewing because it's so oh, weird. Sure. It it's. It's entertaining. This is this is that type of like like I said, if you're a real dirtbag, like this is that type of like itch that you're always trying to scratch. Like this is that type of movie where I'm just like, I yearn. These this this is the this is the needle that I go through the haystack to find, and it's it's one of those that I cherish because I found it. But yeah, it's I mean it's a bad movie, but it's it's really really entertaining. Like. And like it's on YouTube, like we said. It's so, literally I mean, like, on YouTube. I mean, like I said, you could drop 30 to 50 bucks on eBay for a VHS, which I will have someday, but I'm not in a hurry to do it. <laughs> uh, maybe, when it ever, maybe whenever it gets pulled from YouTube, but it's also one of those that says it's been on there for like eight years. So I Yeah, it's on there for a while. I, no, I, I don't think anybody's chasing it, it down. It's, and... it's not, it's not going to go until uh, either like Terrorvision picks it up or YouTube mm-hmm. uh, uh, bites it. <laughs> Like, right it'll be on there till that time so um so yeah but uh yeah the divine forcer it's on youtube it's watch it with some friends have a good time um but take yeah, a gummy take a gummy oh yeah that's a must um <laughs> but uh but yeah as far as the the spine of this episode it is definitely not a good representation of this sort of like small niche subgenre that you've put these films together. It's a bad version no. of it, but it's in, <laughs> but in its own right, it's an entertaining movie so, for sure. But, um, uh, but if we want to venture back into the land of, of competence, we can pivot yes. into death dream, AKA dead of night. one night in a small town that changed the lives of many and ended the lives of some. Descended upon the town. Something corrupt. Unspeakable. Behind their drawn curtains they waited as fear walked in the dead of night. 
but yeah, like I was saying uh, earlier, just, this was a recent watch for me. Um, I was actually trying to find Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things, which is another Bob Clark movie. Um, but I couldn't find it anywhere. And in my searches for it, I heard about Death Dream, read the synopsis, and I was like, that sounds interesting to me, which... Uh, if you need to know the synopsis, it's basically the guest. Uh, as a family, uh, kind of, it's a little different. As a family mourns their son who was killed in action, he arrives on their doorstep unexpectedly. They're ecstatic, but soon his odd behavior and a series of mysterious deaths around the town arouse suspicion. Um, and for me, th- this movie has a big uh, quality of like a like a Twilight Zone episode or, or Outer Limits episode. It's it's got a very 60s television uh, feel to it, mood to it. Um, and I, I kind of adore it for that. Um, I, I think it, it becomes like a major hindrance for the movie, ultimately, for me, in my opinion, uh, in that it does feel a lot like a TV movie. And there are some, some things that feel unexplored um, in a movie format that I kind of wish they would have delved into. Um, a lot of the scenes become very samey of like, we we get it. He's weird and disturbed now, and he wasn't before. Um, is something else going to happen? And um, which, which is ultimately disappointing because I think it's sort of like the meat of what they're getting at here, of it being a like a, a a vietnam uh like an anti-vietnam anti-war um movie that's very much like on the forefront about like ptsd and what are we doing to these poor kids that are over there especially for a movie that as you uh found uh looking uh produced in you know 72 73 and then coming out in 74 um, that wasn't sort of an attitude um, that became mainstream until later in the 70s. So Bob yeah. Clark, you know, sort of on the forefront there of calling uh, calling that shit out, which is, is really encouraging. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think ultimately it worked for me overall. I still think it's really fun, especially that final act uh, is, is really good. Um, but I'm very curious to, to hear what you thought of it. Yeah, I liked this movie quite a bit as well, and and thank you so much for putting it on the list because it's a movie that I had uh, had heard about for for a while now. Um, but it was either I don't know if it was unstreamable necessarily, but um, mm. I always remember seeing it at Silver Platters. Um, but it <laughs> is, uh, but its physical release um, was put out by Blue Underground, Bill Lustig's Blue Underground, which you know they their their work and their special features are phenomenal don't get me wrong but like you also have to take out a second mortgage on your house to buy blue underground (laughs) titles because they're always insanely expensive for Mm -hmm. whatever reason and so i just hadn't peeped death dream and and so i was glad that you put it on the list um and i actually didn't know because i just saw the cover and thought it looked super cool i actually didn't know bob clark did this movie so Mm -hmm. that's awesome so for anybody who doesn't know bob clark of course did black christmas and a christmas story um two christmas classics two christmas classics in their own (laughs) respect um (laughs) <laughs> Which is funny, like, the dude was a ace horror director, and I kind of wish he would have stayed in that world. Uh, yeah. I mean, I love A Christmas Story. Do not get me wrong. But, like, Porky's, I don't care. Like, mm-hmm. Well, can... and Porky's, I have not seen it since high school. Me neither. And I have no interest in watching it again because my memory of, like, the scenes in, of the movie that are, like, the big scenes that people know about Porky's is, like, 
oh, none of that is no, that okay. Fly. I really only know the <laughs> the scene about grabbing the dude's dick through the the people. That's the only scene I remember from that movie, which is, I assume, what people mostly remember from that movie. Yeah, but yeah, um, but same. Yeah, I remember watching it with friends and it was like. You know, at the time, I that probably found it funny, but now I'm like, I have no interest in in rewatching this movie whatsoever. Um, but I I do agree with you on, on a lot of your points. It does feel very Twilight Zony, and it's sort of and it's very contained, which I do mm-hmm. like about it. Um, I do think it feels like a TV movie, and I I wouldn't say it's a total detriment because I liked that sort of self contained element of it. But I will agree with you in saying that, like, I do think the movie gets really repetitive, especially in that middle section of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would be, it would be not insufferable. That's too strong of a word. But it would be really tough to get through that if it weren't for the performances. And mm-hmm. specifically, I mean, specifically, like, the trio, John Marley as the father, Charlie um lynn carolyn is christine and richard backus is andy the soldier who who came home um if it weren't for those three performances i think it would be really tough to get through this middle section because it's just a lot of it's literally like multiple scenes of uh charles noticing something wrong christine defending the fact that uh her son is home and her him calling her like him accusing her of turning him to a mama's boy and that's why he's strange and her accusing him of oh you've been so like um you know like you were so hard on him and that's why he enlisted in the first place mm-hmm. to get away from here and so it's just a lot of that bickering back and forth that does get really really repetitive meanwhile andy just will do some weird shit and he'll go out in the middle of the night and kill somebody and then there's the the scenes where like i i like it's weird that IMDb connections didn't put it, but again, people have to do that. So maybe they didn't draw the conclusions, but there's the scenes that are really evocative and creepy of Andy just sitting there looking at the window. And it's like, David does the David in quote, does that exact same thing in the guest. There's like multiple mm-hmm. scenes of him just sitting and staring at the window. So I'm like Adam Wingard and Simon Barrett, like know their horror shit. They know some real like, stuff. Haunted by your love. Yeah. Man, Haunted While the Minutes Drag is such a banger. Uh, I love it. But um, but like it's straight out of this movie. Like it's it, there's no question that they got their inspiration from this movie. Um, mm-hmm. And so there's really creepy, really evocative stuff. But I do think the sort of uh, the sort of the, the meat is strong, but the potatoes start to uh, sit there and get cold for a little bit. Uh, yeah, they, they start to sprout those little weird vein things. Exactly. Onto the side yeah. yeah, they just they just sort of get a little repetitive because um, the opening is really, really strong. Right. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, like, like, especially it's super it starts super sorrowful because they're handed the papers that Andy ha- died in combat and um, like and they're like refusing to believe it super upset by it like there's this genuine sadness uh and then he shows up after a trucker has been mysteriously uh murdered with his throat slashed um the same evening he shows up and they Mm -hmm. were like oh man they're like we you know we were just delivered the papers that we thought you were dead like ah there must have just been a mix-up at the office we're so happy to have you home son thank you for being home Mm -hmm. and 
then yeah, immediately his behavior is. But he's like, I did die. Yeah, I was gonna. Yeah, that's what I was gonna uh, say. That line where like we thought you were dead. I did. And then yeah. everyone sort of starts laughing, and he kind of he kind of chuckles too. But then he sort of like reverts back to this sort of like stoic, weird weirdo. And that like, scene look. is so strange too. Like the cut, like it, it turns into like close ups and handheld camera, and uh, of them like laughing and stuff. And it's like a it's like a drug scene in a movie. Like everyone's sort of like just losing their minds collectively. It's so good. And but I do, I'm glad you brought up that scene because I feel like that sort of ties into what you talked about at the very beginning of the episode before we got it off in earnest about how some of these things Bob Clark would do better in black Christmas at a sort of honing his craft. And that's one mm-hmm. of those things which I thought was solid here, but I thought like was way better in black Christmas is the sort of like unease and tension underneath like the dialogue and the unsaid underneath what is being said. Like, especially mm-hmm. like the opening of black Christmas where everyone's being like fucking like petty and, shitty and passive aggressive to one another like uh, mm-hmm. especially margaret kidder's character who's like yeah. fantastic i love her performance in that movie but um but like there's a lot of that but then there's a lot of like unsaid elements between the characters that prop up later in the movie that are all laid out in that sort of opening and i feel like like black christmas is one of my favorite sort of like horror set table setting I mean, it's one of my favorite horror movies, period. But, like, it's like right. the table setting is so strong in the beginning of that movie. And it's not that it's not strong here. It's just that it sort of struggles to sort of maintain that until you get to that final leg of the movie. Um, right. So that was one of those instances where I, like, what you were talking about at the beginning, where I did notice. I'm like, yeah, okay, that was, it was done well here. It was definitely improved upon for Black Christmas. Right. Well, and uh, to tie in uh, to uh, not only our bad pick... Uh, but then also a, a previous movie that we had discussed on this show, uh, Martin. Um, oh, yeah. In, in that the character of uh, Andy is sympathetic in, in that he didn't want any of this. I mean, like, not only, like, you know, being in Vietnam and, and dying um, in war, spoiler, but, like, he is more or less like willed back into life by his mom who is just so distraught that she's like, you can't be dead. I refuse to believe that you're dead. Um, and then that's when we sort of cut and we get a POV shot of the killer, uh, looking into the cab of the truck as he climbs up, which was just like, ah, okay. A little black Christmas, uh, test run, yep. um, of the, the killer climbing in. And, um, but he doesn't want, to be there and like there's something sort of being said about like this we like we want our son home but he's not the same person that he was before he left and it's just like well of course he's fucking not he went to war and has seen some terrible 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 fucking things you can't expect him to come back the same person and so this movie is just sort of taking the the ultimate extreme of like what we're doing to our sons by sending them off to wars that they're going to come back a, a shell of 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 their former selves and who they were and and there's a great scene of the the mailman coming by and being like oh andy so good to see you yada 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 and he starts regaling the people with stories of world war ii of, of like oh man like uh, uh, you remember this guy from down the road? Uh, he said he has an old war wound. You know what it was? A, a kraut shot him in the ass, and uh, oh, like a big laugh and whatnot. And 
it's just like this this gap in sort of this understanding of what it meant to be in war between those who fought in World War II and then like these young kids who are coming back from Vietnam and being like, mm-hmm. I mean, I am not a veteran. I've never fought, but it, it, if you were in World War II, at least you could be like, oh, okay, well, very definitively, the Nazis are the bad dudes. Yeah, Those guys fucking suck. But what were we in Vietnam for? Like the the Russians were selling weapons to the Viet Cong and then America's was like, well, we got to get in on that action. So like it, it was not nearly as popular a war. We literally drafted people and scooped them up off the streets and sent them on the other side of the world with yeah. inferior weapons into the territories that they've never even imagined to just get shot at from every single angle and see these horrible atrocities. And then they come home and get spat on by their fellow Americans. And then we're just like, man, these guys are like really whining about their experience. It's just like, yeah, guys. Of course they are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Well, yeah, that, there was that line exemplified like in the initial argument uh, between uh, uh, Charles and Christine where, um, you know, Charles was like, well, I served and, you know, mm-hmm. and I, he's like, I served and I never, you know, and I came back just fine or I served and I didn't act like that. But it's like, well, yeah, like you fought in the war that had a, a definitive like villain definitive villain and you won quote unquote like won the war you know right so it's just like of, of course like you know that that you know you were you were all greeted back with open arms and and heroics and and yeah was not the heroes experience. welcome when you return to shore heroes and... welcome exactly and and one uh, there's just the operations that were going on in 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 the european campaign of like there's like suburban areas there's like cities and stuff but it's like european hillsides and stuff like that right you're not in the jungle you're not getting orders to burn down villages with civilians in them like it like vietnam was a completely different animal from world war ii absolutely but but people who you know it, it, it's the same thing for like anything of just like the previous generation doesn't understand the new generation sort mm-hmm. of thing and but it's it's like especially really touchy when it comes to something is like serious and genuinely life-threatening as war but they still approach it like oh well like suck it up buttercup you know like you know rub some dirt on it just like okay boomer um (laughs) (laughs) so um and 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 uh yeah it's it's and it was really like you said, it was really onto something to be filming this movie in 1972 because I'm sure other movies have tackled it. But I mean, the, the immediate movie that comes to mind to tackle this sort of like idea head on is Taxi Driver, of course. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, but like and I'm sure other ones has. But like this, you know, proceeds Taxi Driver by two years by release and probably more by shooting. Um, so the fact that like they were like really willing to tackle this idea head on um and and the fact that the movie's like pretty understated i wouldn't say it's subtle but it but it's not like overt and like super in your face either like it's a very understated movie it's it's more a familial drama first and then a, and then sort of a horror movie second right um and i love that the horror even is sort of like abstract like you mentioned martin and like Martin is that way too, from the, which is a I think a excellent comparison because Martin is like, you know, we still don't know by the end of Martin whether or not he's actually a vampire, and that's sort of mm-hmm. the brilliance of this move of that movie, 
And it's the same thing here with Andy, where it's like, is he really like a vampire zombie, whatever you want to call it? Or is he just like truly and utterly fucked up up by the experiences that he had? And I think that, um, and the fact that we don't know again, I think is, is one of the things that's really strong about this movie is that like, it does, it doesn't matter because it, it's sad and awful no matter what way you look at it. So, right. You know. Well, and I mean, we ultimately end up learning in the end, like towards the end of the movie, like the final act of the movie, we're like, Oh, okay. Like there's, yeah, there's some supernatural stuff that actually is happening here. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it does. It does play its hand, but the fact that it keeps it so close to the chest for most oh, sure. of this 88 minute movie. Um, and, and then by the time the supernatural elements come into play, it's like, the movie's affecting because then it becomes like, you know, that's when the sort of like really violent sequences come in. And then we get to like the really the final sort of line and shot of the movie, which just like felt like it just ripped my heart out and stitched it back in. Where I'm just like, oh, my God, it's like that's depressing for. Yeah. For like a, oh, yeah. a horror slasher like this. One, so. it, it should be noted. So like when when the movie actually does start to get violent and we actually start to see a bit more of uh, the makeup effects, uh, the makeup effects for this movie were done by the young uh, Tom Savini in his first major motion picture. Oh, no shit. Role. Yeah. Wow. Like this, this was like his first like I think he'd done some like apprentice stuff before, but this was the first like Tom Savini on the scene doing the oh. special effects and makeup work for. Uh, Dead of Night. So if you are a Tom Savini uh, uh, fan, completist, uh, and you haven't seen Dead of Night, there's your reason right there to go check this one out. I, well, I mean, it shows, I, I think, through those makeup sequences. So. Oh, sure. Um, it's also bonkers, we should know, like, not to get too tangential, because I want to sort of return to, you know, the, the finale here. But um, this movie's PG. Which I didn't realize <laughs> yeah. until after the fact. When I was looking it up, I was like, Oh, uh, there's a gash throats and all sorts of shit going on. I guess. I mean, we don't see the correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, we don't really see the act. We see the aftermath of that sort of stuff. Yeah. When they find his body, we don't see the, we don't see the actual like cutting of it, but like, but it's still that like strong Tom Savini makeup that you would expect. Like you said. And so it's just like, you're like, Hmm. Even like, I know 74, there was no PG 13, but you're like, right. I don't know. This could have been probably should have been rated R, but uh, but it's not for some reason. <laughs> so. It's not I mean, all the better for it. I yeah. love uh, P- PG movies that definitely should not be PG. I know, especially when you look at like today's day and age of like what's a PG versus then you're just like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Can you imagine releasing a movie like this nowadays? I mean, like, yeah, it's a PG. And it's P- well, yeah, I know, Bring well, especially- the kids. That's what that's what I was gonna say. Uh, being a being a parent and like, because there's no, um, there was a great uh, article that my wife had pointed me to about like the death of the G-rated movie. Like, there's mm-hmm. not really any G-rated movies out anymore. Like, I think the last major one was like the previous Paw Patrol movie, and before that, Toy Story Four. But most things are PG, even like Disney Pixar stuff. And so, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So imagine me trying to figure out like, you know going and watching like the new Ninja Turtle movie and making sure that my son could watch it. And then something like this comes out and it's like, Oh, it's PG. It's like, what? Like, (laughs) no, (laughs) but anywho, sorry. I mean, you got to introduce them early so that, 
I mean, I'm trying as much as I can to within <laughs> reason. We did, within reason. Sidebar: We did watch Nightmare Before Christmas recently, and actually went oh. over pretty well. So, um, oh, cool. It so was good. Okay, yeah. good. Yeah. So, but you know, anywho, I'm, I'm I'm looking for it. If anyone has any recs for like uh, kid friendly horror slash horror adjacent movies uh uh for october please please email us at the good the bad the what at gmail.com i will paranorman i I was thinking the paranorman like any of the leica ones like paranorman Coraline, like um, oh yeah yeah in that realm i was also thinking nine maybe that one's pg-13 though i don't remember why but i know it is casper does the little doll hang dong (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah totally yeah this is like two little buttons and then a piece of thread that hangs down it's like, like the scene in the simpsons movie <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> like bart skateboarding naked it was just a little yeah <laughs> uh i was also thinking casper the live action casper oh um, sure might, yeah. might work but uh you know <laughs> anyway so yeah death long story short death dreams pg inexplicably uh but it is what it is <laughs> it is what it is and and like it, it's it's a tough one to talk about just because like it, it's mostly like sort of a an intrigue there's a, a bit of like a, a gumshoe portion to it where his father is um first sort of like pissed off about how he's acting um with like his ptsd and stuff but then becomes increasingly more suspicious of him as his actions appear more and more violent um like he attacks and kills his dog so if that's a if that's a if that's a major red flag we'll just call that out for you right now that a, there is a dog that does die in the movie that's a rough um, scene and i say this is a bummer some, it's a really a bummer and i say this is somebody who doesn't like dogs but like i but i, I even as someone who doesn't like dogs, I don't like any sort of like animal cruelty in movies, even, you know, even the animals I don't like. And so like, right. I, I'm just saying, even as somebody who's really like, like, look at my dog photo on Instagram. And I'm like, I don't fucking care about your dog photo. <laughs> like I found that scene to be rough. So I just, yeah. fair warning, if you're a big dog person, it's, it's a really rough scene to sit through. It's rough. Yeah. It's rough. But I mean, like it, it can, contextually in the movie, it's not, you know, unearned or completely out of left field. No. Um, it's just like an unfortunate thing in in some movies. But he, it happens. Um, but, you know, feel free to write it off if that's something that you can't deal with. But the, the sort of like as this violence increases and the father becomes more and more sort of distraught and just being like, I don't understand what is happening with my son. Mm-hmm. And... Sort of the the introduction of like the doctor character and and I love their rapport and their back and forth where he sort of start to slowly come in and be like you hitchhiked into town last night. Do you remember the vehicle that the uh, person was driving? Were they driving like a car or maybe a, a truck, like a large truck? And you can see that he's kind of sort of mm-hmm. putting two and two together and, and like some of those scenes work so incredibly well for me where yeah. he's trying to suss this out and and like it's it's one of those things where i don't want to beat by beat the movie or really get too deep into the plot points because i i feel like you a lot of them are really long drawn out scenes of tension yes. that if i summarize them it completely obliterates the tension and then it, it just it's a it's a boring back it, of it's the also book sort of summary yes and it's also a pretty underseen movie at least i i feel i could be right. wrong but yeah. like i also like 
I want people to watch the movie, so I'm like, I don't want to spoil the last third of it or like some of these scenes, you know. But like, right. but I'm right there with you. Like, if if we explain them, they might seem either like, oh, that's it, or like deflate the tension of them. Um, right, exactly. Sure. Which is tough because you're like this is an audio podcast where we dive into the movies, but we're also like, eh, but you should watch this movie first. <laughs> like yeah. it's really an experiential movie. So no, it's a, it's a great time. I, I mean, I really enjoyed it a lot. It, it, this was, this was the movie that was the catalyst for this episode. I mean, as much as I love the guest, I saw death dream and I was like, Oh, okay. Well, I need to throw this into an episode with the guest in order to sort of round it out. So that I have an excuse to talk about it. Um, so, I mean, thank you for, for coming along and, and watching it. I'm really glad to hear that you enjoyed it. I did. Yeah, absolutely. I, like I said, I, I, I really, really appreciate you putting this episode together. I, like I said, I think, I don't think there's like, like I said, this is an oops, all bangers episode. Like we, we <laughs> had two, two good movies to talk about and one movie that's, I mean, not objectively good, but I would, <laughs> but I would say is a what and is entertaining. So Sure. Yeah. None of these movies are miserable, miserable to sit through. These were all good movies, all interesting subject matter, and also all three very different approaches to this very sort of niche subject. And like every single one is different in in each yeah. way. And um, I think that makes them all charming. So I, I would recommend all three of these movies to oh, yeah. everybody. Like hundred. They're all winners in my book. They're all winners. Please, please go check them out. I, I yeah. So yeah big big gold star chris i think this is a great episode so <laughs> i was very excited like all day i was like i can't wait to fucking talk about these movies <laughs> well good yeah um, well i think next up in our docket is our uh patreon episode yes. and I, well that depends on some of the shaky things that we mentioned earlier on but. yes to tie it back to the beginning of this episode it's all dependent on how life goes in the next couple weeks, but we will tease these as we are planning them. Um, of course we are on social different. Well, not really different social media. We're on Instagram, but we will, mm. we will, <laughs> we will let people know if there is a sort of change of programming, but we are going to try and proceed as if is business as normal. Mm. Um, so you're listening to this episode on Friday, uh, September 29th on friday october 6th it would be another patreon episode and we're gonna dive into the entire romero dead series night mm-hmm. of the living dawn day uh land survival and is there one i'm diary. missing diary okay that was like there's there's the one i'm missing there um so we're gonna dive into the whole thing um because we want to and it's our show i i could see maybe so <laughs> well i could see maybe some people going like well ryan and chris like uh the exorcist believer comes out that day mm. wouldn't you be diving the whole exorcist series we're not going to um <laughs> tldr the first one's a masterpiece the second one's a mess the third one's interesting and uh the prequels uh, are unwatchable uh, I wouldn't go that far. the The Paul Schrader one is interesting that they let oh, him sure. go back and like redo, but the Rennie Harlan one, I would watch Exorcist two over the Rennie Harlan one. I, oh, I'm, that's, I'm, jo- I'm not joking. Scathing I'm not joking. I would. I would. Um. So we're not gonna do that. Um. 
maybe somewhere down the line, maybe we'll do like a horror catch up. I'm sure we'll mm-hmm. both see the new Exorcist movie at some point and probably talk oh, about yeah. it. But um, but we're not going to do like a retrospective. We're going to do the dead retrospective because we want to. Uh, so you can expect that October 6th, again, pending anything that's uh, in, pending life. And then uh, October 13th is another main feed episode. And it's my pick. And it's uh, Friday the 13th. Which we, we kicked around the idea of, this was tough, because it's like, we've already talked about the series, the Friday the 13th series. Yeah. So that sort of takes that off the table. And we kicked around the idea of things to do with luck or bad luck, but we didn't really land on anything. So... Yeah, and it's also, like, subjective, because outside of uh, a movie that we've already talked about on the podcast previously, um, I can't really think about a movie that is about bad luck. The only one that I could think about was like final destination, mm-hmm. but like, that's not specifically luck. So it, like it's, yeah, well, we, we, I was say leprechaun, but we also talked about leprechaun <laughs> on an episode as we well. Did, yeah. Um, so yeah, we just don't make me watch leprechaun in space. I don't want to do it. Wait till don't, we do a don't wait, do this. Too. Wait, wait till we do a Brian Treshard Smith uh, uh, retrospective. Um, <laughs> <laughs> then you're screwed. But um, no, uh, we didn't really land on anything special for the occasion. So we're just gonna do it's spooky season. So we're just gonna do a horror episode as um, normal. Um, and I guess it's my pick, and um, it probably comes as no surprise. I've talked about it on the show many a times. Uh, one of my favorite, not just horror filmmakers, but filmmakers in general was, was Wes Craven. Um, so, uh, we're going to talk about, but I don't want to like take a bunch of Wes Craven movies off the table for like future episodes. Um, so instead of doing Wes Craven retrospective, there was enough shockingly, we're going to talk about remakes of Wes Craven movies, uh, early two thousands or all, all, Yeah mid to late 2000 2000s remakes uh, all mm-hmm. in in about a five-year window um shockingly there was enough and shockingly my feelings are good bad what on three of them so um that's what we're gonna talk about um so i'm looking forward to it uh, it'll be yeah. an, an interesting discussion uh to say the least uh again pending life but uh we'll we'll, we'll go from there but in the meantime you can uh, find us, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, and many others. You can subscribe to us on Patreon at patreon.com slash thegoodbadwhat. And you could follow us on Instagram at thegoodbadwhat. Or you could also email us at thegoodthebadthewhat at gmail.com. Our logo comes from Michelle Pargos, and our theme music comes from Paco, whose portfolio and SoundCloud link you can find in the show notes respectively. Chris, where can more people find you online? Yeah, you can find me on Letterboxd at C underscore T-H-O-M. You can find me on Letterboxd at Ryan underscore Oliver. You can find me on Threads at Riley90. That's R-Y-O-L-I-E 90. And you could follow me on Blue Sky. Yeah, I finally got invited to the Blue Sky Club. Like, oh, uh, I know, like fancy. Um, so if you happen to be on Blue Sky, I am there at uh, just Riley minus the 90. So R-Y-O-L-I-E. Uh, you can find me there. But um, thank you for listening. Wow. <laughs> I know. I really, really moving up in the world. Branching out. Um, but uh, <laughs> thank you for listening. You can uh, you can check out our next week episode on Patreon about the Romero Dead uh, retrospective. And then we'll be back on the main feed on Friday, October 13th with the remakes of Wes Craven films. <laughs>